Mummy's with the maggots now. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Just want to thank all of our fans and listeners. We really appreciate all support. You guys are awesome. Before we get into tonight's film, I just want to give a quick shout-out to our website, don'tgooutthere.com. My man Brian has done a fantastic job with the website. He's got it looking great. Everything about our podcast is on there. All of our episodes and interviews from episode one to our weekly release. If you want to check out all of our episodes there, maybe you have an office job, don't have access to your phone, you can listen on your desktop computer. We've done some incredible interviews in the past with some of the biggest names in horror, uh, some of your favorite slashers, uh, writers, directors. Check out our interviews if you haven't heard those yet. We got our store. We got some new T-shirts. Uh, Brian and Dustin have done some fantastic designs if you want to check those out. And we also have Shan's Etsy page attached as well if you want to grab a Tumblr. And we also have our social media, fa- uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Uh, we love interacting with our fans. We love, you know, meeting new people. We love answering your comments and questions on the air. So definitely check us out on social media. And the last thing I want to shout out is our Patreon. We call it Blood Donors. We have the traditional monthly reoccurring kind. You're a big fan of our podcast, a big fan of our show. You want to help support us. That option is available. And we also have one-time donations. If you want to donate and, you know, have a, if you have a film review you want us to do, that option is available as well. All right, guys, let's jump into the film review. Uh, this week is my pick for Freestyle uh, Freelance Month. I brought us back to the 2023s. Uh, you know, like I mentioned last week, we don't really have the time in our schedule right now to do a lot of bonus episodes, two a week, three a week. It's just summer is really busy for all of us. So I chose 2023's Evil Dead Rise. This is a movie me and Dustin did, you know, a quick instant reaction on. And for the most part, I still feel pretty much the same way as I did in that instant reaction. I will say the movie isn't quite as good as to me personally as the first watch. There's just some things that do kind of bother me that annoy me that I don't think they answered enough in the movie. But I think Alyssa Sutherland does a great job. She kind of carries it for me. She's fantastic. And uh, yeah, I thought it was a fun movie, but it definitely does have some problems to me personally. Uh, Brian, what do you think, brother? Okay, so it's no real secret. I've been pretty vocal about disliking literally every entry of this franchise. Again, I've tried to give them a shot, but I hate them, blah, blah, blah. You've heard this before. But And, and yeah, part of me will complain that they showed too much of this movie in the trailer. But in doing so, that got me interested in this. Uh, it didn't look nor did it feel like the other entries. And that enticed me. I've never seen any of director Lee Cronin's movies, uh, but I was... But I was cautious because I knew that Ramey and Campbell were still involved as producers. But I gave this a shot, and man, I, I I was glad I did. You know, now I can say Brian likes an Evil Dead movie, and it wasn't even just you know okay. I I, I thought this movie was fantastic. I think every single one of the actors, even the children, were amazing. Uh, but Alyssa Sutherland, you said it, just wow. No relation to Donald or Kiefer or Angus, by the way. But she was astonishingly good. Only an hour and a half runtime, which didn't feel rushed. I really liked this. Trust me, I'm surprised too. Yeah, I uh, I agree. This is definitely head and shoulders above the rest of the Evil Dead franchise. Um, Nico, you said it. We did that instant reaction, and while I agree with you, it doesn't. Um, if I were to give it a rating when we did that, it would probably be a little higher than it was this time. But it's still very enjoyable movie movie uh brian you mentioned the runtime being great i agree there's no wasted motion like i feel like there's no fluff there's no filler there's no scenes that i feel like really drag on in this um everything serves a purpose they do a good job of uh really letting you feel and understand and appreciate this family dynamic and uh the gore and the special effects are top notch so yeah I, i think it's a very good a uh, very good movie and a, definitely the best entry in the franchise. All right, guys. Any more opening thoughts before you just jump into it? All right. The film starts with a POV drone shot flying through the woods and up to a dock scaring Teresa. Caleb laughs, bragging about the shot he got of her scared. 
She asked if he'll go check on Jessica, but he said he gave her meds. Teresa goes into the cabin and calls her name, but no answer. She slumped on the bed. Teresa asks to take her car to escape since none of the other friends showed up. She sits down to read and Jessica chuckles and begins to say out loud what Teresa is reading. She's terrified as Jessica's voice changes. She falls off the bed and pukes up this white liquid. Teresa checks on her and Jessica grabs her ponytail and rips her scalp off her head. Teresa limps and falls onto the dock and Caleb is terrified seeing her. Jessica drops her scalp on the dock and grabs a drone. It hits her in the face and she falls in the water. He dives in to save her, but Jessica pulls him under and throws his head and neck onto the dock. Jessica levitates out the water as we get an epic title card ascending over the horizon. And this is something I didn't notice, Dustin, but it says one day earlier uh, when we watched it in the theaters. But this is one day earlier. We see Beth in the bathroom yeah. taking a pregnancy test. Bruce checks on her. She says she's fine as she sees she is pregnant. Beth is at Ellie's apartment complex now. Ellie is working as Bridget asks her about her protest shirt. She tells her where it's at and to tell Danny to turn the music down. Cassie lies about having the scissors. Ring at the door. Jake invites her to come watch the Freddy movies with, with he and Scott. She shuts him down and he's down bad. Bridget and Cassie get into a play fight and she runs into Danny's room who's vibing out as a DJ. They grab Cassie and tickle her on the bed. Doorbell rings again and Ellie answers to no one there until Beth scares her and gets smacked in the face. They hug and both roast each other. She tells Beth their building is getting destroyed in a month. Dinner table talk as Danny asks about Bangkok and Beth asks about Stephanie. Beth gets a gift out for the kid's dad in awkward silence. Ellie has Danny go get pizza with the sisters. She tells Beth about the kid's dad leaving. Beth asks why didn't she tell her and she says she called twice, two and a half months ago. Beth apologizes and wants to talk. Ellie is shutting her down saying she has to pack. Beth listens to the old voicemails now and Ellie sits beside her. She asks Beth what's going on now. She says she screwed up again. She goes to tell her, but an earthquake happens. The ground shakes and the kids drop the pizza on the ground. Danny sees a hole in the parking garage and finds an underground bunker. Danny goes into the old bank vault to look around. Danny ignores Bridget's pleas to leave as he finds all his old photos and records. He hears some creaking as jump scare from Jesus on a crucifix statue falls towards him. He finds his book covered in bugs. Ellie and Beth try to call the kids to no answer. Gage asks if they're okay and offers to drive Ellie to find the kids. The kids exit the elevator and sadly say they dropped the pizza mom. All right, Brian, that's the opening set of scenes I got. What do you think? So the only good thing I remember about the 2013 remake, which, I mean, I guess isn't a remake now, but a requel. I don't know. I hated it. But the opening was in my top 10 openings of all time, if you'll recall. Don't go out there, don't go. And this is really good as well. Like, but this, it's just, this, it's like the subtle things, like the title card reflecting in the lake. As a, as a graphics guy, I appreciate all those like small little touches. That's bicycle font, too, by the way, I'm pretty sure. Uh, a little fun fact inside the cabin in this prologue here uh, is a ticking clock on the wall. It's the exact same clock as the one Cheryl's drawing in the OG Evil Dead. And that's one thing that this one does is definitely a lot of Easter egg fan service. I mean, if you're a fan of the series, you're in heaven with all this stuff like that, you know, throughout this entire thing. And just like the reflection of Teresa in that clock when she walks in, it's just like it's a great shot. I mean, props to Lee Cronin, but also the cinematographer, uh, Dave Garbay, who also did the Ash versus Evil Dead TV series. I mean, just stellar job in this flick, I think. You know, but we get a scalping first off, which as a Cherokee Indian, I'm very offended by. No, I'm kidding. It was fucking awesome. A little too clean if I'm being nitpicky, but it gets made up for with the drone to the face. Uh, but I'll I'll say it's 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 a little bit of a cheesy decapitation. I will throw that as a nitpick. Uh, and yeah, like I said in my open, all these actors kill it. Lily Sullivan. Yeah, she's a great final girl, does a good job. But it, it like you mentioned, Nico, it's Alyssa Sutherland and that she just steals it again for me. I mean, only thing I remember her in is the Mist remake, which I think I'm going to pick here coming up for uh, for Dustin's month. The ending of that movie makes me literally sick to my stomach. I don't know. But anyway, the bond between these two as sisters, I mean, it really it works. There's a lot of chemistry between the actors. Um, and lastly, I mean, holy shit. You want to talk about Chekhov's gun? I'm not sure I've seen more examples of Chekhov's gun in a movie than you see here. Like, there's so much stuff planted in this group of scenes that comes back. It's crazy. The tattoo gun, the broken broom, the scissors being dropped. There's so much more. But, again, not sure I've seen more examples in any movie as much as I've seen, you know, that this one gives. 
And just overall, great group of scenes. Uh, I love how you get a little cabin homage, but the majority of this is in a completely different setting than you're used to seeing in this in this franchise. As it's you know we get in the uh, high rise apartment, it's a welcomed change in my opinion. And the last thing I'll leave on is just a fun fact: the pizza place is called Henrietta's on the box, a reference to Henrietta Nobi, the uh, demon in the basement in Evil Dead Two. All right, so uh, I love the intro, and I love it so much more. After real, after watching the whole movie, like in real time, I wasn't sure, but after seeing the ending, I love it. It's a perfect way to like. I like love how it comes full circle. And Nico, you're right. I didn't notice that either. I don't think where it said one day earlier. Uh, I guess we both missed that. But um, also, I love how the intro plays uh, tribute or pays tribute to the original with the woods and the setting. Wish they would have said it in East Tennessee again, but that's okay. I'll forgive it. And then just absolutely brutal first violence, like. It's creepy enough when she sits straight up in bed and recites the page from the book, but then she scalps her shit. I'm in already. Uh, then I told y'all when I, when we first watched the movie, and I don't think this is a hot take at all. I think this is the best title card I've ever seen. Like it's phenomenal. I, I it's just perfectly executed. I love how, uh, you know, when she rises up out of the water and, and the words are behind her, and then it reflects off the water. I just think it's it's phenomenal. Well done. And then I like how we meet Beth here. It's pretty well done. We're thrown into her world immediately, and it doesn't take much to tell that a pregnancy test is the last thing that she needs, or a positive pregnancy test is the last thing she needs. And then uh, when the neighbors knock on the door there, watching all the Freddy movies in a row is a nightmare, pun intended. There's definitely shitty ones, kids. You're fucking wrong about that. But um, then the earthquake. Danny climbing down that hole. Stupid. And it's really like it's it's one of the most hard to believe things in this movie. Like these kids are from California and they know what earthquakes are. They know about aftershock. I just have a hard time believing that anyone would climb down in that hole that soon after the earthquake. And then Jesus Christ, jump scare! Literally, that's 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 how I that's how it came to me in the theaters. Like Jesus Christ, but um, it just I didn't like how I just the, the, I just got that. <laughs> It's a huge leap in logic for me that Danny would climb down that hole and then, you know, rummage around like that for that long, that soon after the earthquake. And then last thing I have, the, the probably the biggest issue I have with the entire movie is, yeah, you dropped a pizza, but it's not ruined. Like, why the hell did you just leave it in the parking lot? <laughs> like, you, you open the box, and I think she got a slice out. Take the fucking pizza boxes inside, you idiots. But it's a very solid open. Um, we get violence right away. We get some creepy shit. So yeah, I'm, I'm all the way in. Hey, so I got a question. So you guys didn't realize that it said one day earlier in the theaters, but did you, so does that mean that you didn't realize that Jessica at the very end was the same Jessica from the beginning? No, I did realize that's what I was saying. I love how it comes full circle. Like that's what made the beginning make, make so much more sense. And honestly, I, I may have noticed that it was one day earlier. I don't, I don't remember but um, still, it's just like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, what the hell did that have to do with anything when I'm watching it in real time? But yeah, the ending, when we real when you realize that Jessica is like, oh, shit, okay, that's how we get there. So yeah, definitely recognize that. Yeah, I listened to our reaction, and I remember me and you both being like, who the hell were those people? And then it you know, made sense full circle, but <laughs> on the most recent re- rewatch, I was like, oh, it said one day earlier. <laughs> yeah. But they put it like at the very bottom in small font. It's not like super easy to see. Like Rob Zombie would have blacked out the whole screen and told you it was a day earlier. That's because he's the goat. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> back in the apartment, the news anchor speaks on the earthquake as Ellie packs up. Danny asks Bridget if the book is maybe worth something. Mom could use the money. Dan tries to pry the book open and cuts himself and bleeds on it. The book opens on its own now and they look through the horrifying pictures and Dan can't stop looking. Bridget slams it shut saying she doesn't like it and to take it back in the morning. Beth prepares a bath for Cassie and fakes like she's attacked in the tub to mess with her. Beth grabs her belly when she gets a weird pain and Cassie hugs her. Dan listens to the record now. We hear from Father Marcus who speaks on the Book of the Dead. The congregation says it's heresy and to destroy the book. Record scratch and Dan plays the next record. He speaks on translating the book as we see Ellie walking to the laundry room. She takes the elevator down. We hear a chanting now as the record won't stop playing. We see the spirit flying through the apartment complex as it blasts Ellie into the elevator as it goes up the elevator shaft rapidly. 
She's in pain and can't exit. She calls for help and she hears voices now. Her hair is grabbed by her and her earring is ripped out. A cable wraps around her neck, hanging her, and she's grabbed by the arms and legs by other cables binding her. The power in the apartment goes out and Bridget says everyone else has it. Beth and Cassie go into mom's room, but she ain't there. Ellie enters the apartment, ignoring everyone, and goes into the kitchen. She turns the burners on and begins cooking eggs, shells and all. Beth is concerned, and Ellie tells him about her dream in the forest. It was a perfect day, and she could only think about cutting their bodies open and climbing inside. She begins to laugh and shake, and she drops the pan on the ground. It's in me, she says, as she falls to the floor, crawling towards them. She vomits white liquid up. Don't let it take my babies, as she collapses. Dan and Beth drag her down the hall, as Beth tells Bridget to, to take Cassie inside. The elevator isn't working and the stairs are gone. Beth is telling Gabriel and Mr. Fonda about what happened. Calls still can't be made as Gabriel asks to pray. Mr. Fonda asks what happened to her face. They are stuck in this building. Gabriel is trying to break into her room and Fonda says he'll get a shotgun and blast the door down. Beth sits beside Ellie saying, I don't know what to do. She's the one who always has the answers. She holds her hand and cries as we hear the voicemail play from her phone and Ellie's voice say, help her, she's burning. A fly lands on Ellie's eye and she blinks. She's alive and sits up swiftly. Beth approaches her and the kids enter the room. All right, Brian, that's the next set of scenes we got. What'd you think? Something else this movie does that differs from the franchise, uh, but yet still holds it together, is focusing on the book. Uh, I mean, it does it to the point of actually establishing that there are three books of the dead, if you if you noticed here. Uh, apparently, that was a concept that's been floating around since early in the franchise. I'd also like to point out that in our very first interview with Adam Marcus, don'tgoother.com, he mentioned that this is why he added the Book of the Dead and Jason Goes to Hell, because Jason being a dead eye, it's now canon, uh, that whole thing. But I, I like the I like the story choice here with uh, focusing on the book in this movie. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place, and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to shout out the soundtrack to Stephen McKeon hasn't done much at this point besides a uh, Black Mirror episode, but I thought it was great. Uh, there's a piece in this set of scenes that sounds almost like a siren singing that reminds me of our opening and closing of, of this show. Um, and I, I, I like it all the way through this movie. By the way, Dan needs to stop taking blood thinners because that little Nick dropped like a shitload of blood on that book, by the way. My man uh, may have a blood disorder is all. He needs to check that out. Get that checking out. But fun little fact here, in the first of the three records that Danny plays, Bruce Campbell can actually be heard saying, destroy it, it's the, called the Book of the Dead for a reason. That's the, that was my Bruce Campbell impression, if you didn't know. But, uh, which, you know, and that may or may not be headcanon for some people since Ash did time travel in this franchise. So uh, yet another little Easter egg there. Um, the elevator scene has to be a throwback to that you know, tree violation, I guess you said we pointed out in our review of the first one, right? It has to be. Um, but man, Ellie's turn again. I know it's a lot of this was in the trailer, trailer, you know, her cooking the eggs, but man, it's so damn good. Uh, just another little fun fact. Sutherland said that she took inspiration from Jim Carrey in the mask. Again, one of the most memorable performances that I can remember. I mean, I can understand why they put this stuff in the trailer because hell it's, it's what sucked me into it. I thought it was great. Um, yeah, the second that book starts opening on its own like that, yeah, I'm out. I'm throwing that bitch out the window on the 14th floor. Don't care. The movie's over. Like, it's, it's a shorter movie if I'm involved. Uh, then, and I get wanting to make it dramatic and put over, you know, how old these records are, but they, they were locked in a box inside a vault. Where the hell did the three inches of dust that Danny blew off the records come from? Like, come on. 
Like that's just one of those things. Like I get it. You're doing it for dramatic effect, but don't need it. Uh, you get a great scene with Ellie in the elevator paired with the, the record audio. And then, it, you know, the creepy shit continues after the audio stops. I think it's very intense stuff. And I think intense is a great way to uh, describe the rest of this movie from here on out. Uh, then when Ellie gets back in the apartment, holy shit, this is very good stuff here. Cooking eggs with the shells, just throwing the eggs in the, in the pan like that, acting all deranged. Very creepy. And then when she says, it's in me, whew, that's some, uh, that's some crazy shit. And then, uh, probably my favorite thing of this set of scenes, like the, the creepiest shit is, you know, Ellie's laying in bed, dead, they assume. And then the voicemail just starts playing on its own. And then you look back at Ellie and her eyes are opening and she sits up, you know, stairs gone or not. Fuck that. I'm getting out. I'm just going to drop down and take my chances. If I break my ankle, like, like it's, that's fine. I'm going to crawl my ass out of the building because fuck everything that's happening on this floor. But, um, very good set of scenes as far as just, you know, amping up the intensity. If you want movies that are just unsettling and going to make you feel on edge to me, this is, it doesn't get much better than this. She's burning up and they drop her in the bathtub. She begins to react violently to the water, shaking, then leaping to the ceiling. She crawls on the walls and lets out a blood-curdling scream. She stops and falls into the tub. She lifts her head out the water and smiles. Mommy's with the maggots now, and she begins to crawl towards them. Ellie stands up with a piece of glass in hand. Ellie charges Beth and stabs through her hand. Bridget yells for her to stop, and she drops the glass. She says she's free from all these titty-sucking parasites. She grabs a tattoo gun and stabs into her own skull, then cuts into Bridget's cheek. She goes to liquor and Dan hits her with a chair. Gabriel enters the place and Ellie asks who wants to run next. Ellie pounces on Gabriel, knocking him into the hallway. She bites his eyeball out and spits it down Jake's throat and he chokes on it. Beth slams the door shut, locking it. Ellie banks her head on the door as Beth and kids barricade it. Beth sees Ellie chasing after Scott, who is killed off screen. She sees Ellie rip Gabriel's throat out. Fonda approaches with a shotgun, but is attacked. Beth opens the window, calling for help to no luck. Bridget asks Dan about mom looking like one of the pictures from the book. The kids begin to fight and Beth intervenes. Don't turn on each other, ever. Dan shows Beth the book and the records. Cassie asks about Bridget's face, uh, her face wound, who walks past her saying she's okay. Ellie sings in the hallway and Cassie walks towards the door. Bridget turns on the burner and looks at her wound in a mirror. Dan says it's all his fault. Bridget sees her wound growing and a voice calls her name. The book flies open and Bridget's nose and mouth bleeds. Cassie looks out the peephole at mom. Ellie approaches the door saying she felt sad about her dad and he came home. We're back together. Bridget drinks water to no help and then vomits up bugs. Ellie says to open up and let us in. We can be a happy family again. Open up now like a good girl. Cassie unlocks the door and Ellie grabs her, choking her. Beth and Dan run to her aid, locking the door. Ellie insults Beth and Beth's feelings are hurt. Danny and Cassie are in his room as they hear noises in the kitchen. Beth goes and checks it out, seeing Bridget crouched on the counter. She's eating a glass cup to kill the creepy crawlies. She laughs at Beth and spits blood on her. She crawls down the counter and grabs a cheese grater, grating Beth's leg. Beth hits her with a metal spatula and then a pot. Bridget chases after Dan now. She charges at Cassie, who stabs through her mouth with Stephanie. She pulls the staff out her mouth and falls over on the floor. Beth cleans up Cassie's face, saying it's just like a nightmare. Cassie tells Beth, you'd be a good mom someday. You know how to lie to kids. Beth sees Bridget, Bridget tied up and asks to hear the vinyls. Beth brings up a power source and plays them. Beth gives Dan a knife, just in case, and begins listening to the vinyls. Ellie looks pissed as the records play. Ellie hears the kitty in the ducks and smiles. Dan looks out the peephole, not seeing Ellie anymore. Dan follows the noise and says, I don't think that's a cat. And the next set of scenes are the end. Brian, what would you think? This set of scenes is definitely my favorite. Everything from that opening... Mommy's with the maggots now line. I mean, oh, my God, it's great. Sutherland just fucking kills it. That stab through Beth's hand, uh, the tattoo gun, which I guess the the fact that Ellie sticks it in her own head and then into Bridget's is why she gets infected and, and not why Beth didn't. But you'd kind of think that, you know, she would have transferred some blood, you know, like into Beth holding that piece of broken glass and cut herself and then maybe stabbed her. I don't know. Uh, maybe that's overthinking it there. That uh, that biting out is it is it Gabriel Gabriel I think his name's eyeball. That crunch sound is actually Bruce Campbell recording uh biting into an apple. Gruesome sound added that shot. It was perfect. And that eyeball spit out 
Definitely another reference to Evil Dead, a shot that does look and play much better here. De- Evil Dead 2, I'm sorry. Um, and yeah, I think that shot does play much better here than that movie to me. But um, speaking of perfect, my man Garby was in his bag with this POV shot through the uh, through the eye hole of that door. And Ellie hunting down everybody out there, even the kids. Fantastic. Gabrielle's throat slash with her fingernails is definitely my favorite kill. Just brutal as fuck. And just what a hallway massacre out there. I loved it. And then we get Bridget's turn. You know, the effect on that blood, I thought was was great. It was definitely on point. And the creepy crawlies that came out in that puke, her eating the wine glass, you know, and it going down her throat. This whole thing was so realistic to me that it started to kind of mess with me a little bit as far as the whole demonic possession thing went. Whereas the others in the franchise, it was almost like a zombie spoof thing to me. I don't know. That'll probably upset some of the fans of the franchise there. But the way that this was done was definitely the better route, in my opinion, is all. But uh, here where Bridget spits on Beth and uses the cheese grater, shouldn't all of that kind of exchange of the blood, you know, kind of give her the virus too? I don't know. I just, there's fucking blood everywhere. Uh, Cronin did say in an interview that over 1,700 gallons of fake blood were used for this movie, which I know first thought goes to that, okay, well, a lot of that was probably the Overlook Hotel elevator blood scene, but... Honestly, I, that was probably all CG, so I don't know. There's just a ton of blood used here and in the finale for sure, and uh, I love it. Yeah, so why are they just sitting there when she pops out of the tub? That's that's I take a big issue with that. Like, this woman just pulled a Spider-Man, climbing all, climbing all over the ceilings and the walls and shit, and then screams so loud that she shattered the mirror, and you just sit there and look at her? So I guess I'm just built different. Like, I would be in the next county by now, by this point in the movie. Uh, and then free from all you titty-sucking parasites. That is an all-timer of a line. Love that. That's fantastic. But then when all the shit's going down, Danny coming in with the ECW chair shot. But what took so long? Like, you let Bridget get an involuntary face tat. What the fuck, dude? You just sat there and watched the shit happen. Then decide, oh, I guess I'll step in. But, okay, whatever. And then we get some great effects on the eye being bit out of Gabriel's face, but I have an issue with that scene because come on the other dude, just, he like couldn't close his mouth or turn his head or move out of the way when she spit the eyeball at him. It seems like that eyeball was in the air for a long time. Like it's a long distance and you just let it happen. Okay. And then we get a stupid fight between Bridget and Danny. Of course it's Danny's fault. That's not even up for debate next. Like, what are you talking about? Idiot. Uh, and then why the hell would they just leave Cass alone like this? Like that's, that's the, that's the worst. These, these people suck, honestly. Like I don't, I'm not sure at this point who I'm rooting for because they all suck. Uh, and then Bridget's face pouring the, the black goo. Yuck. Honestly, it looks like my shampoo. Like I use this charcoal and mint shampoo and it's a very similar color and consistency. <laughs> so that's all I can think about. So next time I get in the shower, I'm going to put some in my mouth and spit it out and FaceTime you guys. But um, balls actually. Never don't mind. ever pay I'm not ever in the shower, from the shower. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Sorry. But uh, so we get a very disturbing visual when Bridget swallows the glass and it pokes through her throat. Like I just can't. I can't tip my cap enough to the special effects department and, and the whole crew that worked on this movie because it's visually stunning. Like that. That's incredible seeing the glass poke from the inside like that. And then the cheese grater to the calf brutal like god that makes my skin crawl but i do agree with you brian like some of the logic i don't understand how the virus or demons or possession whatever you want to call it i don't really understand the logic of who's infected and who's not because you're right like i i would assume that that would get old bethy boo but no okay but if you just take a step back and and watch this set of scenes and don't think too much into it another great one another great one Alright guys, here's the ending. We see Bridget walking behind them and she flies towards Cassie. Dan stabs her right in the in the gut, but she tackles Dan into the kitchen, counter-stabbing through his arm into the counter. Bridget vomits blood all over Dan's face. Dan lights Bridget on fire and she collapses on the floor. Ellie descends behind Beth and she sees Ellie in the reflection. Beth stabs Ellie in the neck and we see Beth launched out of the room. She crawls to Dan who apologizes to Cassie and dies. Ellie grabs Beth. I will swallow your soul and begins to sniff her. She says, two souls? When she gets to her belly. Ellie pushes her fingernails into her skin until Cassie slides the scissors to Beth. 
She stabs into her mouth and head and lets her go. Beth and Cassie exit the apartment to try and escape. She tells Cassie, don't look back and tries to break the door handle to the fire escape. Beth takes the shotgun from Fonda as we see Ellie blink and remove the scissors. Beth shoots Ellie's leg off. Ellie tries to manipulate Cassie and Beth shoots her arm off. She bludgeons Fonda in the head as the other deadites begin laughing. Dead by dawn, they begin to chant. The elevator doors close and the lights turn on as we see blood fill the elevator up. Cassie cries as we see the deadites begin to absorb into each other and chant no way out. The elevator falls to the bottom, spilling blood everywhere. Beth and Cassie make it to the parking garage. They get in the car and begin to drive away, but the beeper to open the gate doesn't work. Thud as the car drives into a hole in the ground. We see the blob running at them. They crawl out of Cassie's door and hide. The two run to the back of the car now, then the driver's side. They hide by a support beam, then take off running for the gate, but Cassie is caught and drug away. Beth breaks back into the parking garage as the blob grabs a chainsaw, cranking it up. Beth shoots it in the back, and Cassie escapes. They launch the chainsaw at Beth, and she trips, falling off the car she was on. They turn the wood chipper on and try and force Beth into it. Cassie runs over and turns it off just in time. Beth grabs the chainsaw, yelling for Cassie to turn it back on. She stabs the chainsaw into the blob and feeding it into the wood chipper, spraying blood everywhere. Ellie looks at Beth, saying, Please help me, Bethy Boo. Beth stabs a chainsaw into her head, pushing her into the wood chipper. Beth kicks her head into it as she as she talks shit about her failing as a mom. Beth turns the machine off, and she and Cassie hug. Beth grabs a chainsaw, and the two exit the garage. We now see Jessica leaving her apartment, taking the stairs to the parking garage. She's on the phone telling her friend they're going to have fun at the lake. Teresa says she wants to take a rain check, but Jessica says she's picking her up in 15 and hangs up. She looks out the back of her car and sees blood everywhere. She's terrified walking around the parking garage, and a clanging noise scares her. The spirit zooms towards her as she screams, and the film ends. All right, Brian, what did you think about the ending? It was it was all right. It was a little bit of a letdown, just, just compared to how perfect I thought the rest of the movie was for me, but it was fine. I'm not sure I liked how over-the-top we got with the thing-like demon creature. Like, do we need a big boss, like a super shredder like we got? I mean, sometimes... Just a regular shredder, you know, it's still okay. I mean, those things are hard enough to kill anyway. I mean, maybe another emotional moment towards the end with the mom or the sister and then having to kill her family would have been fine. I don't know. It would have been fine with me anyway, but it's Evil Dead, so I get the over-the-toppedness. Is that a, that's a new word, I guess, over-the-toppedness. I, uh, I get why they went that route, but I'm just saying like how I would have how I would have done it is all. I know it's not necessarily the third act, but... At, at the start of the set of scenes with Bridget wearing that blanket is just such a damn cool visual. Uh, I haven't given enough props to Gabrielle Eccles who played bridge either. She did such a good job throughout. And really this whole battle with Ellie in the house, uh, Danny having that last moment with his sister under the couch and Ellie and Beth talking about her unborn bastard baby, just a continuation of my favorite set of scenes. The, the last set uh, up until the third act is, is where they, you know, when they leave the apartment, it's just so damn good. Um, like I said, though, everything in the parking garage is a little bit, a little bit of a letdown, in my opinion. That's all. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place, and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For some reason, I love the fact that Bridget didn't take the blanket off her head. You mentioned it kind of there, but she's just flying around the, the apartment looking like a Scooby-Doo ghost, and I really appreciated that. Um, and then I love the showdown between Beth and Ellie here. Like, Ellie's arrival into the room was creepy as shit, and how Beth realized she was behind her. And, and you know, you just felt that tension. Beth listening to this record doesn't have a clue in the world what's going on behind her, and then, boom, she's there. 
And uh, then I love Ellie using her finger as a needle on the record and her mouth as a speaker. That, like that was a very unnerving scene as well. Yes. Um, yes. And then the way that she just stood there as Beth stabbed her in the neck. Like it was like, okay, are we in the clear? And then boom, we cut to Beth goes flying through the door. Like I, I think that scene was very well done. It was very, it was awesome. And then the showdown in the hallway is even better. Like she blew her damn leg and arm off with a shotgun and it just, it looked great. Like it's complete detachment. Love that. And then very creepy shit with Bridget and Danny and Ellie laughing hysterically like that. Like, uh, you know, uh, Bridget and Danny come out to the hallway and you think they're crying and it's meant to play with, I guess, Cassie's emotions like that. And then boom, they just start laughing and looking and it, it looks so damn creepy. Um, but when they morphed into one, I didn't really care for that. Also gross, like the way they were just digging in her uh, ribs and shit. But I didn't really like the way they morphed into one person. That was, I could have done without that. Exactly. Um, I love the blood gushing out of the elevator. Great nod to the great Stanley Kubrick, um, Brian's favorite. And then oh, yeah. the garage scene, I kind of disagree, Brian. I, I liked the garage scene because... Uh, like, it's just that, I don't know, it, it was a big game of cat and mouse. Are they going to make it or are they not? And then when cat, when they do make it out of the gate, but they pull Cassie back in. Um, now, I will say that when they pulled Cassie back in by the leg, I was kind of like, what are you doing? They, they were playing with their food too much. That seemed like an abnormally a lo- you know long amount of time for Cassie to just be nick-free. If they, you know, if Ellie and the other two wanted to actually kill her, then they could have done it by then. But they threw her in the back of that truck and they were just kind of creeping towards her. Could have done without that. It's not really realistic. But I've never seen a bigger missed opportunity to use raining blood by Slayer. Because it was literally raining blood in that parking garage when they Mm. pushed her into the wood chipper. That would have been a perfect addition to the soundtrack and score there. Um, And then... To me, the the best part of this ending, though, is how it ties in our open. Like I said, when we see everything come full circle, we see Jessica prepping for the cabin trip here on the phone. Chef's kiss to that. Like, it's a great way to explain what happened in the open and show that evil doesn't die. Like, yeah, they may have survived this, but it's far from over. And it leaves it wide open for, you know, a, a, a sequel to this movie, which I said on the instant reaction, I'm here for I've been kind of harsh on studios for lack of creativity and new ideas and uh, tired of pumping out the same shit and sequels and requels and all this. But to me, this one warrants a sequel. Like I'm, I'm into it. Lee Cronin did a great job writing and directing this movie. So I'd like to see what he's got for round two. All right, guys, let's jump into our social media comments and questions. We'll do Twitter first. Uh, Spearhead comment. One of my favorite franchises you enjoy and some very creepy parts. I would agree with that. Our Sean Irwin said, I had a lot of fun watching this movie. Definitely one of the more disturbing entries in the franchise. Kevin Scanlon, teammate of the show. I was never a fan of the OG, but I really enjoyed this one. Love the rainy, dark atmosphere you get throughout. And I really enjoyed the opening scene and that it comes full circle with the end of the film. The acting was solid as well. Great pick, Nico. Me and Kevin haven't been on the same page recently, so that means a lot <laughs> saying it was a good pick. Appreciate that. He brought brother. up a good point about the atmosphere, too. I mean, it's really good. He's right. That was one of my biggest complaints, if you listen to our reaction, was how dark it was. You couldn't see. But I think that was just a theater because it definitely wasn't an issue, like, watching it on Vudu or HBO Max or whatever. Uh, Mookie commented, while I like this one, it's missing something. It didn't have Evil Dead vibes and made, like, 2013s more. Still have the OG trilogy above both the new entries, though. Okay. I can understand that uh, if you're a diehard Evil Dead fan. Uh, Facebook, Kevin Podoff, great movie. Great, great overall movie. Kids did an amazing job. Love the Voltron combination monster at the end. Okay. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of that personally, but Michelle Merzen <laughs> comment, this movie scared the shit out of me, and I loved every minute of it. Also, the kids did an amazing acting job. They did. They were good. Dex nice. Cole, Dustin's Burner account said, I don't think any entry in the Evil Dead franchise is disappointed, and this one is no different. Hopefully, we'll get more Evil Dead films sooner rather than later. I Consider how much money it made, I don't think that will be an issue, my friend. And Jennifer Tyree commented, I loved it. Still pissed about the pizza. That pizza was fine to eat. Who wastes perfectly hey. good pizza? I mean, shit, they needed the energy just to fight the mom off with the shrug emoji. Hey, I'm with you, sis. Hey, uh, here's, here's was- my theory on that. Here's my theory on that. 
as you know the shit settles and whatever, kids go upstairs. They just leave that pizza there. Keanu Reeves comes parking in that parking garage. Like, oh fuck, free fucking pizza, free fucking pizza. <laughs> <laughs> that TikTok is still doing numbers. It's almost a thirty thousand views, Dustin. I don't know if you noticed that or not. <laughs> All right, let's over, jump over to Instagram now. Two close podcasts, uh, big fans of the show. How much did you freak the hell out during the tattoo gun scene? I love Evil Dead and went in thinking this wouldn't be good, and I was pleasantly terrified with how dark and funny this was. I'm not a remake kind of gal, but this one felt like it was true to the Evil Dead franchise. Can't wait to hear y'all's thoughts on it, Jen. Hey, I appreciate the comment. Uh, and the tattoo scene was definitely uh, freaky. And one of the best usernames on Instagram, optional 13th ghost. I really wanted to like this one, but I just thought it wasn't entirely successful in towing that line between scary and campy. I will say that the cold open and title card coming out of the lake was amazing. Very good opening scene. I will agree with very, that. Very. Oh, that's it for social media. Uh, y'all got any fun facts you want to read? Yeah, I got a few. Um, you know, and Dustin brought this up. I mean, we talk a lot in our group chat about how all of the studios are literally, you know, going with every single IP they have in an effort to, you know, really overload their streaming channels with content. You know, this, this is another that, the film was meant to release exclusively through HBO Max via, you know, direct uh, streaming, but it performed so strongly during test screenings that the studio decided to release it theatrically instead. And whenever, you know, we get to the budget here in a little bit, um, you know, you'll see that that was obviously the right choice. Uh, another fun fact brings the evil dead back to new line cinema, the house that Freddie built who uh, distributed the original films, theatrical release in 1983. And uh, is the only Evil Dead film to not feature the 1973 Oldsmobile Delta 88 Royale vehicle. All right. The only one that I've got in is uh, the record found in the vault with the Necronomicon was recorded in 1923. However, disc style records weren't invented until 1930. So mm, it's that attention to detail to get you every time. Nice. Uh, as far as the budget goes, um, the budget was, you know, depending on the source, 15 to 19 million to make this, which is pretty damn high for uh, Evil Dead movie. <clears throat> but like I said, uh, there was a good choice to put it in the theater. It grossed 146 million in the theater. So, yeah, so you're right. Dustin's weekly salary. Time. So, yeah, Dustin's weekly salary. Big, your nice. fucking pardon? <laughs> <laughs> Don't be humble, Rich guy. All right, let's jump into our favorite part of the show, the favorite kill, least favorite kill in the rating. Brian, you want to kick us off this week? Uh, Yeah, sure. My favorite kill was Gabe's throat slash with the fingernails. I really like that. My least favorite kill, Mr. Fonda off screen, which I'm sure is a Bridget Fonda Army of the Dead reference there for sure. Uh, all in all, you know, like I said, I, I really I really like where they went with this installment. Uh, it's, it's currently the only one in the series that I actually like. And, you know, they left it open, like Dustin mentioned, to go a, a number of different ways, which I'm a fan of. I mean, I mean, like you said, the book is, is still in the apartment. So, you know, just take some advice from this old old man podcaster here. Just keep it on a smaller scale like this. Like, let's not have some fucking army of deadites and, you know, you can make some more. But if not, this was a great one to to end on. I thought the movie was was damn near perfect, but the third act to me fell a little flat. Uh, I gave the first Evil, Evil Dead a three point seven five. I can't see any of the others getting higher than that, but uh, we'll see when we eventually do them all. Um, which should tell you how much I really like think of this one because I'm going to give it an eight point seven five. My favorite kill was the uh, mutant demon in the wood chipper at the end there, uh, just because it's so gory and there's so much blood used. And like I said, I just I really wish they would use raining blood there. Would have put it over the top, but uh, my least favorite kill was the kid that choked on the eyeball. Like they killed him, right? We never saw him again, I think. But uh, stupid, the close damn mouth, mouth oh, yeah, breather. Good point. He'd probably still be alive. But um, as far as the movie goes, definitely enjoy it. Um, it held up the second time I watched it. I liked it almost just as much as I did when I went saw it in the theater. Um, I said at the time on our, I think I said it on our. Um, instant reaction that this was probably my favorite movie I've seen so far in 2023. I don't know that it would still be that because Spider-Man was so damn good and Super Mario Brothers was so damn good, but really damn good movie. Probably my favorite horror movie of the year right there with uh, Scream 6. 
So I definitely recommend it. It's the best in the franchise. I want to see a, a sequel to this, Lee Cronin. Um, I gave the movie an eight. Okay, I'll go ahead and read Mike's. Uh, Lisa Sullivan, call me sometime. Lily Sullivan, call me sometime. No, he, he didn't really say that. Um, <laughs> I, I really wish... I really wish I was able to make it on the show, but I suck at balancing the new job schedule. We all honestly, sidebar, don't know why he even has a job. He's so rich. They call him Money Mike for a reason. But uh, anyway, this movie is really fucking good. Uh, as someone who isn't a fan of the franchise outside of the remake and Evil Dead 2, if I'm in the right mood, I had a low expectations. They blew those out of the water. For the first time in a long time, there was a movie that genuinely gave me the creeps. Also, the runtime flew by. Alyssa Sutherland's fantastic here. She gives one of the better character performances I've seen in a long time. I've talked before about how I feel about kids in horror movies, and they play up they play that up to perfection. Keeps this uh, movie even more of a creep factor. The mood and atmosphere that director Lee Cronin was able to, to capture put me in the horror movie watching mood. I'm normally just not a fan of the whole dead eye idea, but I think it's executed perfectly here. The cold, wet, yuck feeling. Uh, stays that way the entire film. I can say uh, with my full chest that this is uh, my new favorite film in the franchise. Also, shout out to doing what is basically a one-location horror film. I love those. Favorite kill, Gabriel the Neighbor. Fucking brutal. I love the use of gore in this film. Least favorite, Teresa at the beginning. You don't actually see her die on screen. Um, so a, a rating, 8.5, and was tempted to go higher. Definitely getting another Evil Dead. Explanation point, explanation point. That's two. <laughs> All right. Uh, my favorite kill, I want to agree with you guys as well. Gabriel was my favorite. Bit and got his eyeball bit out, and then he got his throat slashed. But I will say Teresa is my runner-up for favorite kill just because how good the opening scene was and the ripping her hair and scalp off. I thought that was awesome. And me and Dustin kind of mentioned our little uh, reaction. You know, this might be a top ten opening horror scene for us going in the future. Really yeah. damn good. Least favorite kill. I guess you could go with the eyeball one, but I'm going to go with Fonda as well. Just because you don't, I mean, it doesn't happen on screen. You know, Ellie just kind of, he just falls down and then he gets hit in the head. Eh, could expect it a little more. Maybe you could have showed his head getting bashed in or something. It's not like they haven't shown us enough blood and gore in this movie. Could have shown a little more, I guess. Uh, rating, like I mentioned, I really like this movie, especially the first time watching it. Really good blood, really good gore. Alyssa Sutherland was fantastic. She carries the movie. Everyone else does a fine job as well. Biggest issue I really have, I feel like, and this might not make sense to y'all, but this is just how I felt. This the kind of character development feels very rushed to me. Like like uh, Beth gives that line, don't ever break up ever, you know, because she's talking about her significance between her and her sister. But the whole time you've seen them is just they're not really getting along. They're kind of just now starting to, I don't know. I wish I would just saw this more sister relationship. Uh, everything kind of seemed rushed in a bad way and a good way. Like you're not bored, but like the story just happens kind of fast, but I still like the movie a lot, but I couldn't go quite, I couldn't quite go eight. I gave it a 7.75. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'll do what I would like to see another one. It gives us a uh, composite score of an 8.25. IMDb has it at just a 6.7. So these people clearly need to watch it again. Cause they're, they're wrong. Clearly. <laughs> All them diehard Evil Dead One and Two fans don't like anything new. So what do they know? Anywho, I'm just kidding. I'm not. I'm not gatekeeping what you should like. Uh, any more final thoughts? Where I just shout out the blood donors and Dustin can announce his pick for next week. No, let's do it. All right, blood donors, really appreciate y'all. Y'all are amazing. You take a big, big burden off of us. Camper level reoccurring is Clayton J, Nina, Michelle Merza, Andrew Ferguson, the Horror Movie Crew Podcast, Alex Seligson, Eric Doolittle, Sean Irwin. Brian Samick, Trisha, and Kelsey Miller. Camp counselor reoccurring are Dennis Kennedy, Edwin Hernandez-Gunn, Joe Swinford, Jennifer Davis from the Too Close to Home pod, Kyla Denise, all the way from Australia, Adrian Aiello, Jake Hambrick, Clay Moore, Karen, Matt Strickland, and Gail Koontz. Really appreciate y'all's support. It takes, like, I, I can't stress it enough, the, the economy is very bad right now. Financial times are tough. It means a lot that you donate your money. Uh and I just want to say one more qualm I had. I didn't like the ending either. Like, it just, I don't know, the big blob. I wasn't a big fan of it. I know this franchise is kind of hokey and all that, but that just, uh, it just, it didn't work for me. I'd rather just seen Ellie taking them all on by herself or something like that. But that's just me. Uh, Dustin, you want to announce your pick as we close out Freelance Month? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I picked Scream 1996. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I picked a movie that I stumbled upon, I think, towards the end of last year. It may have been the beginning of this year. I don't know. Time flies. But um, I found this movie somehow, and I'm really glad I did. I can't think of any other scenario where I'd pick it. So I went with 2019's Little Monsters. This one is a Hulu exclusive. So if you're planning on watching it, that's how you can find it. Uh, it's a horror comedy. It's a little zombie movie. And I had a lot of fun with this when I watched it the first time. So excited to uh, share that fun with you guys. Awesome. Sounds Looking good. forward to it. Just want to say thank you to all our fans. I really appreciate all the support. You guys are awesome. Looking Absolutely. forward to watching Little Monsters. I haven't seen that one yet, to no one's surprise. But, uh, yeah, it's been been an awesome year. And uh, it was I don't want to say overdue doing this one, but I'm glad we got to do this one. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Definitely not overdue. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks for all the support. We appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. Just want to remind everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.